0: Everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Keibel and John Mikulski. Welcome to the Tightwad Tech, everybody. This is episode seven, uh, Storybird in the Classroom for August 23rd, 2011. Uh, As usual, uh, I'm your co host, Sean Kybel, and I'm joined by my fellow co host, John Mikulski. Say hey, John.
1: Hey, everyone, how's it going?
0: All right. Uh, before we cut into the, uh, the guest, uh, portion of the show, we always like to do a little warm up. So, uh, I'm going to throw in a few things. And I, my first one I have a hard time with because everybody always talks about the weather, right? And it's either so hot or so cold and it's always hotter where I am than you are or colder than, than where you're at, right? I mean, everybody likes to, uh, compare their weather, right? Oh, yeah. And no one's ever happy with it either way. Right. Well, I I just have to say uh, the weather here in North Texas has been insane the last week. (laughs) And by insane, I mean we literally have uh, in the last week, this last week, we're recording this on a Friday this week. uh, This past week, we have experienced the hottest week in Texas history. As far back as they have been recording, there has not been a hotter week. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we've been recording temperatures this week, anywhere from uh, 113 to 117. Um, and it's just, it's just crazy hot. So uh, in North Texas, we have a very common saying that if you don't like the weather here, wait five minutes. Uh, Because our weather patterns often change very frequently. (laughs) And uh, I've been waiting much longer than five minutes.
1: (laughs) It hasn't changed, has it? (laughs) It
0: is just brutal down here. So so So, I just had to get that out of the way because I usually don't, you know, when people talk about it's hot and it's in the 90s or maybe we're tipping a 100 or something like that, I keep my mouth shut. But uh, this week, if I'm talking about it, It's hot. It's bad. Yeah.
1: Let me ask you, we, we had a hot spell in Buffalo anyways, relative, I guess in the nineties and it actually, it buckled a a highway near us. It actually, the the, the asphalt like buckled with, I'm trying to think 115 degrees. What's happening outside your, your, your house right now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, nothing crazy like that. At least not anything that I've seen. Uh, We have had a number of deaths though, uh, related to the heat. So uh, this is a time that always scares me. You know, I see the high schoolers out there doing two a days for football and things like that. And uh, uh, I, I just I always look at those kids and I remember I played football in high school and I remember how how brutal that was. But uh, I got to tell you, I don't think I ever had a practice day where it was, you know, 115, 117 degrees. Outside.
1: Yeah, that, that's a little extreme, you know, and on the flip side with us and you'll be hearing it for me in a, a couple of months. Our dangerous time up here is in the winter because we'll get literally th- four or five feet of snow right. and then you have people going outside and usually elderly people going out and trying to shovel their driveways. And and that's when we get our deaths because of heart attacks and that kind of thing. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's just, it's so extreme. Uh, people just don't know how to, how to cope with
0: that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all think we can do anything and, you know, <laughs> right. So uh so that's that. Uh one last thing that I wanted to to pop in was I hate Microsoft too. So (laughs) You hate you hate everything because wasn't that the conversation last week because you don't like Apple either? (laughs) Yeah, if you want to make sure that I'm not gonna like you, uh go ahead and make a computer operating system. (laughs) So (laughs) uh
1: you don't discriminate. You hate everything. No, I you
0: don't do. at all. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm, I'm often quick and vocal in my uh, loathe of Apple. And uh, that goes more to their uh, their culture and uh, some of the policies and things that they do. Not so much the, the hardware itself, but... Uh, but you know basically the same thing uh, applies to microsoft so without going into too much detail because it'd be too geeky and uh, most people wouldn't really understand what i was talking about <laughs> anyways uh we're uh, we're doing new setups on all of our computers as we do every summer uh but this summer what's different is we're we're uh going from we're upgrading from xp to windows 7 and uh, so that's brought a host of different you know little quirks and things that we have to do differently than we used to but one thing in particular uh, there is a screen, there's a configuration screen in Windows, and it's it's pretty much the same exact screen from XP to Windows 7. And in XP, it had this option where you could copy something, and you just hit the copy button, and it would copy it for you, and it was very nice and easy. Uh, and, but it's very vital to what we do in these new setups of these uh, these computers. Well, now Windows 7 has this same exact screen. It has that same copy button, but what they wanted to do was take the functionality away from us So they didn't want us to be able to do that. So instead of just, like, getting rid of the button... They they leave it there, but it's grayed out. So you mindlessly click on it, and you just get more and more frustrated.
1: <laughs> it's like you you want to use it, but it won't let you.
0: Right, right. And I literally had to do some forum searching and things like that, and found out that yes, Microsoft just grayed it out and said you can't do that anymore. So uh, and they don't really have a great fix for it either. There's not a great alternative. So it, it's been a frustrating week just because of that one thing. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yes, I hate Microsoft too. So you. You heard it here first.
1: Now this is this is, I guess, an old trick because Windows Seven has been out for a while now. But have you played it around at all with with the God mode yet? You know about the God folder? No. Actually, oh, you gotta I'm look. Surprised uh, I haven't uh, heard now, of that. Now I, I'm I'm kind of outdated on my computers. I I'm still running XP at home, but I know Windows Seven, and and you can just Google it and it'll come up. Um, if you make a, a new folder, uh, just create a, a new folder on your desktop. And you rename it, it's a series of numbers of characters, numbers and, and letters. Okay. And it unlocks this folder that has all kinds of advanced uh features, advanced options for for settings and, and control stuff um, that isn't available anywhere else on the computer. So play play in there and see if maybe uh your grayed out button, there's something in there that can combat it. But yeah, Google, um maybe that could be our our tech tip for the week because right. we don't have one. Um, yeah, Google, uh, I think it's just Windows 7 God Mode or God Folder. Any of those will will come up with how to do it.
0: I am going to check that out. And I tell you what, next yeah. week I'm going to report back because if that if that solves any of my problems, I'm going to have to give you a big old hug for, <laughs> from afar. Yeah. From, from ne- next week in
1: our warm-up, it's going to have, Sean loves Microsoft. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, you got anything, John, this week before we get started? Yeah.
1: I have had actually a, a really busy week. Um, I spent, uh, actually, I just got back yesterday. I spent the the first half of the week in New York City um, attending and presenting at a conference. And uh, I actually have our show to blame for it because Shelly Terrell, who was our first guest in episode one, um, contacted me and asked if I wanted to sit on a panel with her, a discussion panel um, at this education conference. Oh, so yeah, I, I went yeah. down and did that. And, uh, It was really cool. It was kind of neat to to see what happens outside of my immediate region and uh, meet with a lot of people. The the conference is called um, 140EDU. And as the the 140 probably suggests, it has a lot to do with Twitter. And um, it was kind of a a neat way for me to meet up with a lot of people who I've spoken with through Twitter uh, a long time for a long time and never actually met them face to face. So that was kind of cool. And, um, the, the guy who, who set it up, he's kind of a marketing guy has all these conferences, um, is a guy named Jeff Pulver. And, uh, at the first night there's a meet and greet for all the presenters. And I, I was in the same room and we were chatting and stuff. And I went up and I talked to him for a little while. And afterwards, I guess this shows the the level of nerd, um, either for me or him, I guess you can decide afterward. But, um, afterward I, I went home and I was telling my wife that I'd met all these people. And, um, I said, yeah, and I met this guy and and I looked on his Twitter page, and he has four hundred seven thousand followers. And I said I shook his hand, and my wife just went, "Oh, <laughs> you're such a dork." I'm like, "No, that's like a rock star. That's like a celebrity. Right. That, right. That's like half as many followers as Ashton Kutcher." <laughs> <laughs> that was a big deal for me. Um, but the the conference went really well, and it was it was just really cool to um be a, a part of a group of of educators, and they they spanned all kinds of of different grade levels and and different reasons why they're there. A lot of marketing people as well, but. It was really great to be in a room with all these different people associated with education that were really progressive in their thinking, and, and there weren't any naysayers, and there weren't any people who were um, kind of stuck in the old ways of doing things. Actually, the presentation that I, I was part of was on alternative methods to the outdated education model, so that's a pretty progressive idea, um, and a lot of it was talking kind of the theory of it. We really didn't get in too much to um, the logistics, but it was kind of neat for two days to kind of let some of that stuff go and go, yeah. It'd be great if we all had iPads, and it'd be great if everything was free, and if you know, like all these different ideas that were a little, little radical. But it was um, just a really, really cool, cool experience, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think I'm going to do it again next year.
0: Absolutely, I've got to agree with you. Uh, we have uh, this statewide conference, uh, TCEA, is what it, uh, uh, the. Texas Computer Educators Association is what it is, and uh, I'm a member of that, and they put a statewide conference on, and a great deal of educators are a member of the TCEA, and it, it's kind of the same thing. You go down there, and you just get a week of, you know, tech and education, and of course, people who are interested in tech and education are the progressive ones, right, the ones that are looking kind of towards the future and what's new and what's going to be new in the classroom. So, I that always kind of refuels me. It gives me renewed faith in the education system. I guess, right when, right? when you can see that, yes, there are other people out there like me that believe in you know moving things forward and doing things differently, and uh, uh, you know embracing what these younger generations are embracing. Right? Uh, that yeah, that, you know, or go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say yeah. I mean, and and the cool thing about the conference I was at too is that. Um, it really embraced all that, you know, the idea of like the digital culture because um, because it's kind of rooted in Twitter. Anyway, they had the um, hashtag 140 edu kind of going the whole time, and they also streamed it um, on Ustream live. So I think they there was like 450 people in attendance at the, the conference. But through the course of the two days, there was something like 20,000 people that watched it. Um, online and then also followed the hashtag and, and talk. So it was really cool to see how all that, it, it truly was like back channeling in a sense because as people were, were talking, you look around in the audience. It was in a, a big auditorium, but you look around, and every single person had some device open, and they are all tweeting furiously. And then you were trying to follow that while listening to the presenter, and it was just—it was so cool because it's kind of what education, in my mind, ideally would look like. Um, so at least in, in that very close circle of people, that—that that was the ideal for two days for me.
0: Yeah, and I, I think this is actually a good time to uh, throw out there to teachers: if you're not in such a, uh, I guess. A group, you know, uh, we have this association, a statewide association here in Texas, uh, but I'm sure regardless of where you're located at, uh, there's usually some sort of uh, group that kind of advocates this uh, technology and progressive uh, thinking as far as it applies to education. Uh, you know, here in my district, they pay for my membership, so I'm blessed that way, <laughs> uh, and, and I love it, but honestly, the... The fees are are not so prohibitive either that you couldn't do it yourself. And I'm going to say that uh, just like you said, John, if you do this and you go to these conferences or even just – associate yourself with these groups of, uh, fellow educators. You're going to find that the money is well worth it, even if your district won't pay for it. Uh, another group I think of is ISTE, which is more, uh, uh national here in the United States. That's yeah, a big one. Right. So, uh, you know, becoming a, an ISTE member uh, is going to open you up to, a wealth of like-minded educators and also a lot of resources. They have a lot of resources, you know, that you can get out and reach out and uh, uh, touch base with these other educators that are progressive thinking. So uh, that's what I would add to that. Just check that out oh, in yeah. your area. There's got to be something.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and just a, a final thought on it. The biggest resource for me over the two days I was there were just the people I met. And actually, I'm sure you'll be hearing me talk about the conference again uh, on future episodes because I met a bunch of people. And after talking to them for a few minutes, I said, well, oh, I have this podcast. You want to come on and talk? And they said, oh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I found a, a bunch of really cool people for, for guests too, um, that were just milling about in this, uh, in this conference all week with me. So. Um, yeah, great resource and, and definitely something I'd recommend for, for everyone to go to. I think it's every year in, in New York City, but they have a, a couple in, in other areas and you can um, follow that. I think the website is just 140edu.com and that has all the, the upcoming events and schedules and things
0: awesome so check it out everyone uh, so now I guess I'll just jump right into uh, let's bring our guest on uh, I, I've been looking forward to this one ever since you said that, that you had him lined up for the show John I gotta be honest uh Mark Yuri and uh, Mark is the CEO and co-founder of Storybird. Uh if you listen to the Tightwad Tech you may have heard me uh offer Storybird up as a as a teacher tip of the week uh, back in March, I believe it was. Uh February or March. Uh so uh great tool and uh let's just bring him on. Mark uh introduce yourself and maybe uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh what Storybird is
2: years in the digital sphere. Uh, I spent the mid to late 90s working on interactive entertainment, uh, several series of uh, interactive mysteries. And then when my uh, my son was born, went on to the agency side and spent several years on agency. And, uh, and then was casting around to get my hands dirty again, building stuff, uh, especially something for the consumer market. And that's when the idea for Storybird came around um and i think probably the you know the origin story of uh, of storybird is is a good place to start we um my son and i had been uh this was now going back several years we had made a story for my wife and uh turned it into a book i wrote it he did the illustrations and we printed it out made a cover and a spine for it and gave it to her for her birthday she loved it and uh and it was a great experience but what i enjoyed most was Actually, making the story with my son—that uh, whole process of going back and forth and and creating something that was you know sort of a physical object that had a special meaning in our family—was something that I was reflecting on several years later when I was thinking about, oh, I'd, I'd like to try and get my hands back into the consumer market, and the idea of some kind of storytelling service that was pushed up into the cloud. And hopefully easy to use uh, was the genesis for for storybird, and that was about two two and a half years ago when when the idea first started germinating
1: so when i first uh, when I tell people about Storybird, lots of times i'll say, you, know, you can make these books, you make these really cool books online um, using pictures and, and art, and they'll say, "Well, you can go to walmart dot com and do that by uploading your own pictures and, and making books so you can do it any of those websites that that make um, books out of, out of your own art and, and your stories. And I say, no, nah, it's totally different than that. There's something more to it. So why don't you explain that a little bit? Um, what exactly does Storybird do? And, and how is that different than some of those other sites out there that do let you create your own your own books?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so Storybird is a community that's focused on short visual stories. And the way that, that we enable anyone to make a story on 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 the platform, is we've brought together, we've hunted down and curated and organized the work of illustrators from around the world. Uh, these are picture book illustrators, uh, animators, artists, uh, who work in a sphere that we call narrative art. Uh, we bring together their portfolios, put them on our platform, and then we allow a writer to take those images from a particular artist and turn them into a story. So it's, it's essentially, we've done a couple of things. It's almost as if we've externalized the, uh, you know, a children's publishing company's workflow. And in the process of doing that, we've kind of flipped the whole process where instead of starting with writing and then adding pictures, we start with the premise of art first. And then the story comes from that. So that's why we call it art inspired storytelling. It's, it's ultimately about, finding and unlocking the stories that are, are, are hidden within the art. Um, and as each person approaches art differently, we have any number of combinations of stories that can come from just one artist's portfolio. So in contrast to, you know, the many, as you say, that it's, it's really a saturated market of anything from picture book-like to photo book-like um, services that you can upload your own photos or your own artwork – uh, we don't allow that that's not really our niche our niche isn't really taking your photographs or any of your art it's trying to surprise and excite you by bringing art in front of you that you might not have been exposed to and the way that art works is that it it you know it it burrows into your head and it starts to play with your senses and it essentially creates an environment for stories to be very fertile and sort of come out of you. And so really what happens for people who come on the Storybird and start making stories is that they're kind of challenged to uh, reveal those stories. And to a certain degree, while they're writing, they're also essentially kind of playing a game. It's almost like a puzzle game because ultimately the way that they combine the art and the way that it forms the story uh, is as much a kind of a puzzle-solving element as it is a writing element. So, it's, it, that sort of forms the cornerstone of, of, I think, why people love Storybird so much, even if they can't kind of point to it explicitly. And then, you know, we do a couple of other things. We wrap a social layer around it so that whenever you make a story, you can easily share it with your social graph. You can print them out. You can download them to your devices. Uh, you can send them e cards. So, you know, sharing and, and turning it into a physical object is, is trivially easy. Um, And so that mixture of, of, you know, art inspires you, you then, you know, have a chance to share it with the people that you, you know, or within the storyboard community. And then ultimately we just sort of remove all the friction points. We don't, we're not in the business of making you click a thousand times. It's not about building a story. It's about writing. And, and that's very stimulating for the people who come to the site.
1: Yeah, and I've seen that. I've used this uh, for teachers who are listening right now. I've used this in my own classroom, and the restriction of only being able to use that's on the site is actually a, a big selling point to me because it really forces students um, to, to think very critically and think kind of out of the box. Um, what I've done in the past is, um, after we've read stories, they have, like, one particular theme I've assigned them to write a story that illustrates that same theme, but use these pictures. So they'll pick a set of pictures and the the pictures in the site, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, the, the sets kind of vary anywhere from maybe 10 pictures to over 30, but, um, they'll pick any particular set of pictures and then they'll have to look at those pictures. And like you said, almost map them out and come up with some idea for a story that would fit that theme. So there's a lot more critical thinking in it than just, okay, tell us a story and stick some pictures to it in working backwards. It makes it, um, much more in depth and, and, uh, just a better experience for them. And then, like you said, that social layer, uh, works great. I've actually, after they've done their story birds, I've posted them up, uh, embedded them on a blog and then, um, tweeted out, uh, looking for comments using the the comments for kids hashtag and, and people respond back and it looks like a professional work because all the artwork is really high quality and it fits real well. And then if their story goes along with it, it just, it, it naturally flows together. So that that's what I like about it, That that restriction really does actually benefit the overall process of using the, the website.
2: Yeah, we're very big on on constraints. <laughs> I think uh, I, I think people need to say no more often than yes to features. So, you know, we get a lot of requests for lots of features that, you know, people just instinctively, they sort of run up against it and they say, oh, I'd, I'd like to add that. And, you know, nine times out of ten are, you know, well, we're polite about it, our, our response is no, because Ultimately, that, that stops the constraint. And it's, it's really funneling people into having to kind of work with the art in this way that creates that uh, sort of magic and that surprise. And, and, of course, something that when you're finished actually looks like a picture book. It looks like something, you know, uh, very polished and very professional. And, it, you know, whether you're putting it on your wiki as a blog or you're turning it into a book, um, ultimately, it's something you feel very proud of because even the aesthetics match your opinion of, of the quality of it. Um, we've also seen, you know, to your point about using it in the classroom. You know, when we when we first uh, released our, um, you know, we're still in open beta. We're probably another, you know, six to nine months away from closing out our open beta and kind of having a version one, even though we've been around eighteen months. Um, but uh, when we first started, you know, uh, working through who's using it, how are they using it, we were quite surprised because we knew that teachers would like it. And we knew that it, very quickly as they brought it into the classroom that they were getting, a, a you know, the kind of reaction from their students that they were hoping for. But what re- really surprised us was the range. You know, we've, we've now seen everything from not just K to 12, but even colleges, universities, uh, fine arts programs and writing uh, programs uh, from around the world uh, using it. Um, and so you have kids who are, uh, first starting out with language and learning to, you know, read and write, uh, using it all the way up to, you know, 35 year olds who are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, professional writers and using it as a way to, um, To stimulate some of their other work, I mean, we have a couple of, I know a couple of New York Times bestselling authors who use the site regularly. And for them, it's it's the opposite of staring at the blank screen, right? It's You're starting with the art and ultimately sort of dragging those stories out. So for them, it's almost like cross-training. So we've kind of seen this very broad application for this mixture of both education and this element of, you know, entertaining storytelling that sort of, you know, gets everybody involved with it.
0: Well, uh, Mark, I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more in detail and, uh, more on the, uh, the education side. I'm curious if you have any kind of, uh, specific feedback or, uh, maybe better said would be, uh, maybe exemplary use of, uh, Storybird out there. Have you seen anything that really just kind of caught you off, off guard and you're just like, wow, that's, that's just amazing, uh, what educators are doing with that out there?
2: Yeah, um, so just to set up a, a reference point, uh, we now have um, about, we're approaching 40,000 schools on the platform um, after, we, I think we started up our sort of whole class platform about a year ago. So within a year we've added about 40,000 and we'll probably be up to about 100,000 class, uh, um, sorry, I say schools by, uh, by the end of this year. So it, it's a broad range and we've seen just about everything. Uh, We've seen young learners who are just starting to kind of understand themes and narrative structure, um, using it in a way where they can, you know, often start with reading stories, Uh, that consumption cycle of, you know, ingesting and kind of seeing how the form factor works, then kind of leads them to, okay, I want to try my hand at it, and they dive in with the art and start working with it. So. I I think at just a very baseline, there's a a very early pattern of creation and consumption that teachers have told us, you know, really lock the kids in. There's a, there's a heavy addiction cycle. We we find that while most everybody in the classroom generally enjoys working with Storybird, usually about a third of the classroom becomes heavily addicted. And we see that even in the metrics of, you know, these kids then signing up for their personal accounts so that they can do their own stories outside of the classroom. Um, I'd say that as we, we as we've sort of over the last year interacted with thousands of teachers and listened to their stories, there's a few that really sort of stand out. Um, if if people are using it generally to work on writing and reading and you you know bring it in for one or two or maybe three cycles through the school year, uh, there's a few teachers who have really stood out to us. Um, you know, I, I found one story quite interesting where uh, a teacher in the Ozarks. Uh, who does quite a bit of support work in Haiti, especially after you know the damage that they had a couple of years ago she 's been returning every year and doing teach to teacher cycles and she wanted to bring with her several books and copies of those books that when she approached the publisher of them, uh, they were English and French books uh, the The copyright restrictions wouldn 't allow her to do the copying that she wanted to do, and some of the English texts that she wanted to tr- translate they wouldn't allow her. So what she did was she worked with her fourth graders to develop a series of stories. I think they came up with about 10 different stories. And then she worked with the grade 12s in French immersion in the district to translate the books. And then once those were done, they printed out, you know, a dozen copies of each and brought those down with them to uh, to Haiti for that particular teaching uh, session in camp. And, you know, I, I just I found that whole process of, you know, number one, sort of hacking big publishing and working around sort of very, very ancient concepts of of IP and, and copyright. Uh, that was just interesting in general. And then, you know, we build Storybird as a collaborative platform and we see all sorts of different collaboration. But this notion of kind of bringing in her, her, her grade four students to write the stories and then the older students who worked with the younger story students to translate it into French, you know, it was such a pleasurable experience to kind of listen to this. Um, ABC News picked it up and she was featured and, and we were just really uh, supportive and excited for her and uh, and the teachers that kind of rallied around her as they heard about her story so you know I, that was one of the ones that really kind of stuck out for us as oh gosh it's you never really anticipate what's going to happen with a platform you know, yeah you, must-
0: you kind of love to see your baby uh, so to speak taken up like that and used in that, in that method
2: yeah exactly um, and then you know we we heard a story not long after uh, an Australian teacher who does a lot of field work in uh, in Africa. She had written to us to talk about her work with Storybird and several students in a village who, you know, have access to computers, not a lot of access to books, uh, not a lot of access to uh, state-of-the-art, you know, digital photography or anything like that. And one of the interesting things that came up was there was a boy who had to go in for an operation, Um, to his jaw and he was terrified of it he you know he didn't really understand much about the process and they wanted to kind of bring some kind of context to him and so they they used storyboard actually to write a story about you know a hero a child hero who had to overcome some fears that uh, that he was facing and how he sort of came out ahead of it and feeling very much more powerful for having faced his fears and, you know, this boy became the center of the story and, uh, and then it was shared among the village. And, you know, again, if you would ask me a year and a half ago, two years ago, when we were just sort of starting out, where's this going to go? I, you know, I could predict a few things, but it, these are just some of the very sort of rich elements that, you know, if, if, if you keep a tool very simple, it gets, it gets extrapolated into thousands of, of different usages. So that was, that was really heartwarming. Um we uh and I'll, I'll, a final one, which I found quite interesting was uh we've now heard from probably at least a couple of hundred uh special education teachers who work with autistic children um uh, and this is in the u s in europe australia and new zealand uh and asia and uh they've all they've all talked about the same thing that this getting getting their students and these and these children to deal with language in the traditional sense of looking at characters and turning characters into sounds and sounds into words and words into stories is very challenging for them. But when you just start with art, uh, there is something that goes on inside the brain, the way the neurons and the way the brain interprets the art that gets them both more motivated and more verbal about the stories that they're able to create and the way that it actually brings a great deal of calm and less anxiety to the event. So, you know, it. it all of these things have become quite fascinating to us as we sort of collect the anecdotes and chat with these teachers about the various ways in which, you know, they're, they're using the tool. And, you know, again, I, I very much as, as somebody who creates, you know, digital tools, I live by the credo that the simpler the tool, the more complex, you know, the outcomes can become. You know, if you, if a hammer is a hammer, you can use it for a wide range of applications, um, because ultimately people's imagination will take it there.
1: Yeah, you know, and and not to not to downplay the the actual website either because we haven't talked much about the interface at all yet. But the interface itself is very very easy to use too. Uh, it actually reminds me of, um, I mean, nowadays you think about iPads and and that kind of thing. But even it reminds me a couple years ago when I first saw the first demo of Microsoft Surface, the the tab or the the big tabletop interactive computer. But where you, you open up your Storybird page and all of the, the images just kind of get thrown out on the screen and you can drag them around and move them. And, and it's, it's very, very intuitive and very easy because it really is almost like you're sorting through a bunch of pictures that just came out of a shoebox or something and then choosing the ones in the order and, and then adding the the story. So I can certainly see why it, it's versatile and versatile enough to uh, be adapted into all these different scenarios um, because it is so easy to use. But let me ask you, now that you've seen it, Um, used to get around copyright and used in different parts of the country and with different kinds of learners. Where do you see Storybird going in the next few years or next year even?
2: Well, in the education market, um, you know, our first year, year and a half was very much about building the product and getting a sense of how people used it. And in the next 18 months, our focus as we kind of grow is thinking about how do we serve the markets they're starting to find great traction with it and beyond families uh beyond writers and artists there's two pockets that have really kind of attached themselves to storybird one is education and we we are we are in about 115 countries even though (laughs) we are just an english only platform for now (laughs) so that's been shocking to us um (laughs) So internationalization of the platform, allowing for non-Latin characters, being able to provide moderation uh, tools to teachers uh, and school boards, etc., that that allow them to bring it into other languages, is is one thing. Um, there's also in in a few weeks we're going to be rolling out a pro uh, a, a pro account for teachers. Mm-hmm. So we have this great free service that allows you to you know if you just want to use it once or twice in the year. Uh, It allows you to do everything that you've talked about. But we've now added several tools that have made working with it even more enjoyable for the students, faster for the teacher, and more powerful. Um, So, we're quite excited about that. We think that teachers are going to love that. So, I'd say internationalization and kind of helping them use it even more uh, in their classroom through the school boards We're also working with a lot of libraries who are, you know, we've got about 5,000 libraries who are using the platform and really want to use it as a patron engagement tool. So that's kind of one side. The other side is that because we're, we're very focused on art, because it's a very verbal site, and because it's social, uh, we've, we've attracted a huge bulge of tween girls. It's a, it's a very, it's very popular with tween girls because that's the stage where they're extremely verbal. They're reading a lot. They're writing a lot. Uh, so we're we're essentially taking a look at on the, on the sort of the public side of things, um, how to a certain degree it's sort of evolved into a bit of a social network around stories. So we're going to explore features and other kinds of opportunities for for that particular audience to take it even further. I'd say that's really for us the next eighteen months. Um, and you know we have some other plans. We know that there is a, a group of of you know really when you start getting into 13, 14 and older, uh, where the site just, even though it's, it may be used in a class, personally, uh, teenagers are less inclined because it still feels a little young for them. So we're looking at a couple of other brands that are more focused on long form writing and more mature subject matters that are for the, you know, 13 plus, you know, 13 to 18 year olds. Uh, I I think those are some of the things you're going to see coming out 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 of the shop. And then finally, uh, you know, we've been working on, you know, what is Storybird on an iPad uh, for a while now. And we think we found at least the first version of that that we're really proud of. We're about three quarters of the way done that. So sometime in the, uh, in the fall, we'll release our first iPad app, which we're, we're really excited about.
1: Now, how often, I don't know this answer, how often do you update the artwork or is there a new artwork always included or is that something that's coming? How does that work? Because since it's all based primarily around uh, what's available on this site, how often does that get updated?
2: Well, it's just like the code of the site. You know, we push code live all the time, you know, a few times a week, sometimes a few times a day. It's the same with artists. Ar- you know, the platform is built to just continually scale. We, you know, we started off literally with five artists. We're now up to a hundred. You know, we see a time when there are several thousand artists on the platform. So chances are that for a teacher, for a class that are, that are coming in in one or two, maybe three cycles in a year, they're going to find each time uh, almost dozens of new artists to to experience and play with their art. And I think that's really where we get excited because Putting aside the simplicity of the tools, you know, once you, once you sort of strip away everything about the site, it's, it's the art that is ultimately going to, you know, turn you into a writer and really get you going. So our job is, is ultimately to present you with as much diverse art that turns you on and, you know, surprises you and excites you.
0: Uh, Now, uh, Mark, and I I don't know, maybe we can edit this out if you want, but uh, you had listed in there about uh, exploring some uh, television possibilities. Is that right?
2: Well, as we look at, you know, over the next 18 months, our business model and, you know, if the first 18 months of the company was, what are we? The next 18 months is, how, how do we operate as a business? And, and one of the things that a number of brands and uh, a few networks have reached out to us and started discussions is you know we're a highly you know we're we're this perfect hybrid of education and entertainment i mean really it i i've never and i don't like using edutainment as a, as a as a <laughs> word But, you know, that that notion, and I think actually Marshall McLuhan said it, right, that if if you think that there's some sort of division between education and entertainment, or that there should be a division between them, you know, you're looking in the wrong direction. Um, I think because we're at this sort of perfect symmetry between those, the folks who run television networks kind of see an opportunity where what's happening in a broadcast medium, which is, you know, traditionally, you know, top down, one way, one to many... Uh, through storybird as a platform and linking it can actually bring a two-way reciprocal consumption creation uh, right into the television experience as well so we're looking at that i think it's probably because we're small and we can only bite off so many things at a time it's probably a, a bit down the road but we always thought that you know a pbs show you know storybird where you can have a theme and you can have some people on the show each week that are talking about different themes and writing stories, having kids on who have you know created great stories have a chance to read them. Uh, we definitely think that's in our future and something that our audience would love.
0: I, I love it. I love it. That's uh, what I would call a b a b hag, uh, and that's from one of my management tape series or something from way back when, but a big, hairy, audacious goal. So uh, you, you look at it, and you look at something like that, and absolutely, uh, I love it because I think the content and what you know what you see kids uh, creating and how they're interacting with Storybird, it just seems like that would be a natural transition. So uh, I like to see that you guys are thinking that far ahead.
2: Well, if you want a big, hairy, audacious goal, my partner, Kay, uh, when we were originally talking about Storybird... We were chatting about, okay, what's our big, hairy, audacious goal? She said, I want to be the collective unconscious of the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you could tell her we uh, we often joke around here about our uh, our world domination of, uh, of the broadcast market. So,
2: <laughs> Exactly. You got to have some fun along the way.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else. John, did you have any other questions before we let Mark go?
1: Uh I got one more. And okay. we've talked about it before when we had other um other resource uh founders, people from other websites on. You know, you're just, just to set the record clear for everyone, you came on voluntarily and, and we certainly aren't getting paid anything for this either. But um this is your chance, Mark, to to give a a plug for your for your site now, everything that we've talked about so far is available for free. You have a, a free, uh, you know, free access to Storybird. Is there a, a premium that, that you can pitch now for for people listening?
2: Well, I think if you're, you know, you, you have a large education market that, that follows the show. I, I think for them, you know, our message is Storybird is always going to be free and it's always going to be a great tool for any school and they don't have to worry about money. Uh, but there are two things that we've done that we are quite excited about that many teachers have been asking for, which is a pro account so that they can bring it in even deeper into the school, use it uh, faster, you know, enjoy it more and, and sort of unlock more features. So that's, that's coming out in a few weeks, certainly in time for the, the fall session in the U.S. and in Europe. The second thing is we, we just in the spring, just before the, the U.S. market let out, we launched something called fundraising. And I'm actually really excited about that. Teachers have given us some huge sums up, the ones who have tried it. We've had a, several dozen teachers give it a spin. And the basic idea is this. Because making Storybirds is so easy, and because the way we've crafted it, the books that you actually can print out are so beautiful. Uh, you know, we've got like a 97% you know, satisfaction rating with people who buy books from us, uh, buy the books that they make. So we turned the proposition around that, you know, teachers were bringing on lots of kids and those kids were bringing it home and the parents were buying the books. And we said, well, you guys are really helping us build out a market. Why don't we why don't we create something that gives teachers something? And so the Storybird fundraising allows a teacher with literally one click, they can print out a flyer and notify parents through email of a fundraising event that's online. Uh, the parents can just log in to Storybird and buy their child's book. And for every order that a parent makes, a teacher gets $5 into their class account. So literally with maybe about five minutes of effort and getting a box delivered to the school, a teacher with 30 students could raise, you know, within a few weeks, $150 for the class account. And unlike many kind of, you know, fundraising tools, aside from how easy it is, we also, we, we give you that money through PayPal. It's, it's cash. And it can be put to any class feature, you know, if you're saving up for technology or you need supplies or what have you. So we think that with, at a time when the schools are cash-strapped and it's only getting worse, it, you know, we're creating a kind of a triple value here where we get something out of it, the teacher gets something out of it, and the parents and the kids get something out of it. Uh, and at the end of the day, the teachers are rewarded for, you know, they're already getting us into homes around the world. And this is our way of saying, hey, guys, you can actually get a lot more out of Storybird 2.
0: Wow, teachers! Did you hear that? I, I just have to jump in <laughs> and say it. That's amazing, Mark. I mean, that is genius. Uh, one, the education market—if you can—if you can get them to love you, uh, they are very loyal. So, it, one, it's just smart. Uh, two, it makes a whole lot of sense. Like you said, uh, teachers can help you build out your market. So, why not make that a, a win-win deal? Uh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. So uh, you you can do that based on the free account or do you have to have the upgraded account to be able to have that functionality?
2: No, it, it ships with every free account. Amazing! That's so much. That is so
1: much better than selling candy bars or donuts or suckers <laughs> or whatever else people are doing for fundraising. That's such a great well, idea. Actually,
2: you know, we thought a lot about that, and I think I think a lot of teachers and school boards are frustrated by the fact that they're always short funds. The kids are being called on to do fundraising, often going door to door in neighborhoods where they don't know everybody. We don't like that. Your parents, you, your, you know, teachers, you have students. No one really likes that. And you know, for the existing kind of other, you know, book sale. Uh, you know, platforms that are out there, it takes so much work, you know, it's days out of a teacher or an administrator's life to organize a book fair. And then often when you generate the money, it's sort of trapped within this kind of the dollars can be spent with the company that hosts the book fair. And we thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you know, you're expanding our market here, we're going to give you money so that you can do whatever you want with it. Right. We think that's, and I'm gonna... that's real, a real fair exchange.
1: You know I'm going to put on my my English teacher hat for a second and say even book fairs drive me crazy as fundraisers because we do those in my school every year and what happens is all the the boxes come in and they set everything up down in one of the the cafeterias and one of the spare rooms in the building And all the kids get their money and they go down and they buy stupid pencils or they buy posters or they buy all the, (laughs) any of the junk that comes with the book fair, that's not a book. So they still leave and they don't have anything of, of significant value from that fundraiser. Just, you know, at that point it may as well have been another candy bar. So I love the idea that it is actually a book and it does have meaning and value because I know even myself, I have students all the time that come up to me and uh, sucker me into buying something for one of the other clubs at school, and I do it because I feel obligated, and they, I'm trying to be supportive. But what a great idea! I'm just picturing, you know, buying a couple copies of books that someone made and giving them to grandma and giving them to grandpa for Christmas. And I mean, what a uh, what a meaningful idea for for fundraising.
2: Well, it it really does. I think that's the last piece of it that we think is pretty significant. That about half of the books that are bought from our platform are actually bought as gifts. Um, you know, uh, parents buying it for other people in the family, uh, kids giving it to their friends, et cetera. And I think that what a great way for the teacher to close off that cycle of making stories by opening up the opportunity to turn this book into something that the entire family can enjoy and often give out as a gift. So you're right, grandma gets it for Christmas or for a birthday or for some sort of seasonal event. And it becomes something that, you know, these books can last a generation or two in the family. And, and we think that that's real meaning.
0: I'm I'm picturing uh maybe a kid who has somebody close to them uh, either get sick or, or basically wind up in the hospital. So, either uh, a friend, we see it happen, a friend ends up in the hospital, injury, illness, whatever, or maybe uh, a family member. And what a great way to like do – you could like do therapy for the child, right? So, they get an opportunity to kind of put their feelings into a story, right? And then you could also – Order that book, and that could be a gift to the person who's ill or or injured or whatever. Uh, I, I, we've actually, you could go it, we've on and on. Said,
2: uh, speaking of, you know, when you asked me earlier about things we've seen, that's yet another story that we've seen a few times where teachers have made a theme, uh, an assignment theme that's based on, um, you know, illness or cancer. The books were made, and then they actually bought the class books and then donated them to the, the hospital that the teacher or the school was affiliated with. So we've actually seen that play out and you're absolutely right it's it's therapy for the writer and it's and it's uh, it's a deep meaningful gift to the people who receive it especially especially if they're going through a tough time
0: Amazing uh let me uh, make sure I'm getting this right it's storybird.com right Mark that's correct. Okay. I want to make sure that our listeners get that. I mean, after hearing that, how can you not go out and sign up for an account, teachers? I I, I don't know. Mark, I know you don't know this, but uh, I did a presentation. We actually uh, uh, did a live show from our statewide technology conference here in Texas uh, back in March. And it just so happened that uh, Storybird was my tip of the week. I give a tip of the week uh, every week. And Storybird was my tip of the week for that week and uh, had no idea that, you know, we'd end up talking to you uh, several months later. But uh, uh, I, I do know that I had a lot of teachers uh, busily writing that down as I was telling them about Storybird, and uh, and it's come a long way even since then. So uh, go check it out, teacher, storybird.com. Do you have anything else, John?
1: No, I, I think it was a, a great interview. Anything else that you want to add, Mark, before, before we let you go?
2: Um no, I, I think you guys have given me uh you know a great opportunity to chat and, and talk about where we where we've been and where we're going. And I very much appreciate that. I think, you know, I guess I guess if I was gonna say anything, it's thank you. Uh, you know, for the teachers that are out there that have uh put Storybird into the classroom and, and given us an opportunity to learn uh you know from how they're using it to uh you know bring us into the heart of, of families around the world. It's 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 been an extremely lovely uh, journey so far to be surrounded by educators families artists and writers i couldn't ask for a better mix uh, and i i know that you guys are probably terrestrially a little bit more, more us based but for those uh teachers in in new zealand and australia special thanks when we first brought out the the initial uh you know launch of, of storybird it was australian and new zealand teachers who actually picked up the ball and ran with us for several months uh getting the word out so we have a special place in our heart for them too <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, Mark, uh, I'll say the same. You know, thank you for taking the time to be with us today on the show. And, uh, uh, we'll have to keep, uh, keep an eye on you. We, like I said, we already have, but, uh, we'll have to, uh, see how things go over the next 12, 18 months and, uh, certainly probably end up having to have you back on the show because, uh, I, I only see great things in your future. So, uh, thank you again for coming on the show and, uh, we will, uh, we will touch base with you again, uh, in the future.
2: Thanks again, guys.
0: Have a great day. You too, Mark. All right. So that was Mark Ury, uh, CEO and co-founder of Storybird. And wow, John, I mean, he had me kind of speechless there at the end. I didn't know about that fundraising thing. Uh, I already love Storybird, but I had no idea that they were uh, that they had come out with that.
1: I know. I'm so glad that I asked the the, the typical, is there anything else you want to add question? And then he, he dropped that bomb. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. Because <laughs>
0: we almost missed that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, you know, I even see, you know, I mentioned the idea of like kids buying them for relatives and things, but even the the philanthropy piece, I love the idea of uh, being able to do a, a sale where all the money goes to buying copies of the books to give to the hospital or to send overseas to troops or anything like that. I mean, there's so many possibilities with it because it, it's just such a genuinely good fundraising idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how could, uh, you know, I, that's just how it is, right? With parents and grandparents, it's, uh, anything that a kid has made themselves, uh, you just can't resist.
1: Yeah. And let's face it. Most of the fundraising stuff, they're going to buy anyway. It's just how much value they get out of it. I mean, every year I get, I get hit up by students uh, and even neighborhood kids selling stupid stuff, you know, tubs of cookie dough and wrapping paper and all this kinds of stuff. And I'll smile and do it. And then it, it gets tucked aside because I forget about it. But what a neat idea to have something a little bit more personalized.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. i I already just looking at it and going, I want to get my daughter on there <laughs> you know. <laughs> so even not for you know, maybe not as much for the fundraising aspect, but just because wouldn't every parent love to have a book that their child created? I mean Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. So, uh, okay. Well, uh, now would be the time that we turn to tips of the week. And we were kind of scrambling on this as we were recording. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we're, we're just so good that you couldn't tell. But, uh, John, did you, uh, did you have, uh, something there or did you want me to run with the one that I put in there?
1: Yeah, it looks actually. I think we we both in our haste have two tips of the week and no tech tip this week. So, um, I'll let you start and then I'll I'll wrap up the same way we we started the show. Go ahead.
0: That that sounds good. So we'll uh we'll we'll say this is uh because I mean really the show itself Storybird is a, is a tip of the week if if there ever was one. But uh, oh, I'm yeah. going to jump in here and say uh, give this one offer this up for free. Uh, www.ambient.com. Ambient D- uh dash or hyphen mixer.com so ambientmixer.com with a hyphen in the middle there. Uh what the uh ambient mixer is it's just a free online uh site where you can mix your own personal ambient sounds and music uh just right there in the browser. It's really kind of neat. Uh they have some basic uh, setups that you can just kind of automatically start with a basic setup, and then you can kind of tweak it yourself. Uh, but it, it's just like any other ambient sounds or music that you've you've heard before, where you've got the waves crashing and the wind blowing and birds chirping and all this kind of stuff. But it presents it to you in a mixer format where you can actually add or subtract sounds or adjust the levels. So maybe you want to hear a little bit more of the chirping birds or, you know, things like that. So it's really cool. I know some teachers are real kind of new agey and uh, like to uh, run this kind of stuff. Maybe when their kids are taking a test or or just studying something intense or, or whatever. Uh, I've never actually done that, but... Uh, But even if it's just for yourself, if you just uh, maybe you have a conference period and you want to have something kind of quietly going in the background, you know, let you uh, wash away some of the stress of the day. I don't know. (laughs) Again, that's not me. I'm not very new agey, but I did think it was very cool. And the interface is awesome. So check it out. Ambient hyphen mixer dot com.
1: And uh, my my tip of the week, I guess, uh, going back to what I, I started the show with. Um, the conference I was at, everything was streamed live and then it's, it's hosted on Ustream. And it's actually not just the conference I was at, but it was, um, the last couple conferences cause they do the, these all over the, the U S annually. Um, and it's a great resource, uh, for teachers and quite a few have spotted. I looked in, and the, uh, this particular, uh, Account on UStream has like almost three hundred thousand views. So there are certainly teachers out there that that find it valuable. So now is a good time. Uh, the last week or so before you have to go back to the old grind of getting up every morning to go to school. Um, spend some time and take a look. The the UStream uh, address is ustream dot com slash nyc one hundred forty conference c o n f and um, lots of great stuff cached in there, and uh, and I'm on there too. But I, you you can find me on your own uh, <laughs> through through your hunting. I'm not going to
0: plug it too bad. That that sounds like a
1: really shameless plug.
0: <laughs> hey, that's okay. We're all about those uh, shameless plugs, right? There you go. Yep. <laughs> all right, so ustream.com slash nyc one four zero c o n f.
1: You got it. Yep. And like I said, there's all it, it, all kinds of. Uh, topics spanning the whole gamut of educational uh, related stuff. Um, Just really, really innovative, progressive speakers on there.
0: Sounds good. So teachers go there, kind of start to get back on track, right?
1: There you go. Yeah, it's a good way to get back into the flow of things. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, let's jump into the many ways you can contact us as we wind down the show. Uh, You hear it every week. If it's your first week, then you're going to hear it for the first time. But uh, you can reach us at tightwadteacher at elementop.com. And uh, elementop.com is also our website. And that's really the best place to go if you want to interact with us or uh, uh, find out more information. We have forums for the show. Uh, There's a widget on there that you can say call me and put in your phone number. And Google Voice will call you And you can leave a voicemail And uh, that voicemail will get to us Uh, I would say that you need to indicate Which show you're leaving that for Because that one line does feed Now our five shows So Uh, so just let us know that your voicemail is for the tightwad teacher and keep in mind, if you leave a voicemail, we may decide to, uh, air it on the show. Uh, and so if you don't want it to be aired, but you still want to leave us a voicemail, just go ahead and indicate that and we'll, uh, we'll respect your wishes. Uh, another way you can leave us a voicemail is at our Google voice number five three zero frugal F R U G A L two. Five three zero frugal two. You can call and leave a voicemail there, and same rules apply. Just let us know if you don't want it used on the air or whatever, and uh, let us know that it's for the tightwad teacher. We want to hear from all of our listeners out there. We uh, we love those voicemails. Uh, you can also follow us uh, at Twitter, and what you're going to do at Twitter is follow or go to at element op and that's e l e m e n t o p i e at element op and under there you're going to find several lists. And you're going to want to follow one of those lists, and one of those lists is for this show, the Tightwad Teacher, and that will give you my uh, personal Twitter feed and John's, so uh, you get uh, the best of both worlds, right, John?
1: Yeah, there you go. And you know, while we're let me interject into the the traditional contact uh, segment of our our of our show, since we're we're so plug heavy this episode, right. I noticed I I noticed that new fifth show in the Element Opie uh, network it has a familiar surname. Is that a uh, another Kaibel related to you?
0: Yes, that's actually my brother. So I, I'm glad God, you, you brought you it up. You can plug up. his show. <laughs> yeah, I do. I should really plug his show. <laughs> You're right. So, uh, uh, yes, uh, my brother, uh, and actually it's two of my brothers, although that's not obvious. Uh, Travis Keibel and Zach Hill. Those are both my brothers along with, uh, another co-host, uh, Nate Kemp. And they, uh, they came to us with an idea for a, uh, football pod, uh, podcast. So, uh, uh, somewhat sports, but really focused in on football and uh, a little bit of fantasy football and things like that. And these guys just blow me away. You know, I like, I like, Following the NFL and, you know, I'll watch the occasional game and things like that. But these guys just, they know way too much. They spend way too much time on this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, they pitched me on an idea of uh, running a show that revolved around football and uh, I gave them kind of a test run, right? We had them do kind of a test show and we set up gear and uh, they did it. And I was really impressed. Uh, they're entertaining and yet they've got more information than I probably could ever need on the NFL. So, right. <laughs> so check it out. That show is called The Hot Route and it did just, uh, as we're recording this, Uh, it released the first show yesterday, so, uh, you know, you can hear they're a little bit, you know, uh, not quite sure what they're doing, but... I told them their first show came off a lot better than, uh, than my first show, which was on the tightwad tech. So yeah, I was uh, going to
1: say we're, we're seven in and, and we're still a little bit shaky at times. So <laughs> right,
0: exactly. That's why I told them, I said, you know, you just, one, you've got all this gear and wires and everything surrounding you. And, uh, people might not realize, but it, it does take quite a bit of gear to, uh, to get these recordings going. So when you do that for the first time, and then you've got show notes on a computer in front of you, and you're trying to keep track of all this, and you've got a chat room open, like what we've got right now. Uh, it can be a little overwhelming and then you're sitting there worrying about what you're saying and do I sound, you know, dumb and uh, everything else. (laughs) So uh, It's definitely not for everybody, but uh, these guys, I think they have a really good start and uh, I I can't wait to see where their show goes.
1: God. All right. Well, okay. Back, time in. Back to uh, the contact information. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I think there was a the total thing- aside, but I just thought of it while you were talking. Yeah, I'm glad you brought
0: <laughs> it up because you're right. We needed to get yeah, that you, plug in you there. You would
1: have cut trouble. You would have cut trouble from your brothers if you hadn't plugged that one. Right.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, the only other thing I haven't mentioned is Facebook, and you can follow us uh, on, or at least, uh, yeah, you can follow us. We've got a page there, facebookcom slash element opie, and that's uh, that's going to be. Uh, uh, I believe the Element OP Opie page has kind of a, uh, I guess, all of our uh, different shows kind of all thrown together there. Uh, I believe there's also one for the Tightwad Teacher, though. There should be a specific Tightwad Teacher one, so Facebook.com. Uh, you, you probably have to actually search for the Tightwad Teacher because I'm not sure that we have enough likes yet. Uh, getting that Facebook.com slash and whatever you want it to be takes a certain amount of likes so if you haven't gone to Facebook and found us and liked us please go do so because then we can have that slash the tightwad teacher so uh, make it a little bit easier for for everybody to find us yeah Yeah. so uh, I'm gonna call that a great show I think uh, we an amazing show with Mark and uh, uh, I hope everybody got what they were looking for out of that Uh, so for now John do you have anything else to say
1: no, I think we've crammed crammed their brains with enough.
0: One, right, one right. Up. So uh, for now, I'll just say this is Sean signing off. And John signing off.